It's Miss Beth, and we are back with a rapid fire FAQ Instagram lifestyle podcast. This was an Instagram live, so if you weren't able to tune in this week, I answered some of your questions about um, is it normal for my six year old to be spelling words this way, or what's the difference between this and this? Um, we talked about a couple of things. It's a quick episode, um, but I wanted to share it here since so many of you say that you tune in on your way to work or when you're you know, on your way to pick up kids from school and it's much easier to listen than it is to view. Uh, but before we start, I wanted to share a message that one of you sent this week and it made truly my whole day. Um, it says, I'm sure you get a lot of DMs, but I just wanted to share this. First of all, pause. This is my commentary, not from this writer. I will never, ever, ever be tired of hearing your success stories. Okay, please, please always share them. Okay. I'm sure you get a lot of DMs, but I just wanted to share this. Thank you for creating a platform that makes teaching our kids to read very accessible. Once I listened to your podcast about Bob books and understood how to teach my son how to decode words, he's been reading books and now he tries to read everything and and attempts to decode words on his own. And he's only four. I literally squealed when I got that message. This is, I need, I need to hear these things. So please keep sharing them. It makes my day. It makes me remember, oh yeah, I got to go back to the podcast. So tune in to this episode to hear some questions from our Instagram live. Me talk about French onion soup, which I, I guess I have an unhealthy obsession with. And, um, probably my dog growl about wanting her bone back. Also, if you are a teacher, I had a lot of consultations with teachers or principals this week. If you're a teacher, I do professional development with schools. So reach out to me if you want more information about that. I would love to do a virtual or in-person PD at your school. If you're a parent, I've had a lot of parents organize um, bringing a big city readers presentation to the school board or the PTA. So those are options. If you're listening and like, oh, I wish that our whole school knew this or yes, this is what I've been trying to explain. I will. I love doing this. I love coming in to help. I love supporting in any way that I can, whatever stage in the science of reading journey you're on. If it's brand new to you or if you are, you know, kind of exploring new curriculum, I will make a presentation that is specific to what your school and the kids at your school need. So please reach out. Hello at bigcityreaders.com is the best way to get a hold of us. Okay, here is our podcast. Let's hang out while I wait for my French onion soup to be delivered which I just got a call that said you accidentally ordered it twice. We were just wondering about that. And I'm sort of fingers crossed, hoping that I actually get it delivered twice because I already paid for it. And that'd be easier than just like requesting a refund. But I tried to call back and be like, it's fine to send it twice, but the number, no one answered at the number. So RJ Grunts, if you are watching this and also thank you everyone that said that's the best French onion soup. RJ Grunts, if you are watching this, it's fine to send to do both of the orders. I did do it by accident, but sometimes the universe knows what you need more than you. Tell us how your skin always looks so good though. Thank you. I um, use medical grade skincare and do whatever my 
people tell me to do. So I'll send you a message on where to go if you're in Chicago. Um, but it's so different. I, I could tell you everything that I put on my face, but it's different. You have to go to your person. So like they, they have to know your own skin. So don't ever just like listen to somebody telling you what to do because everyone's skin is different. Everyone's hair is different. You have to go to the people that you trust. Anyway, that, <laughs> thank you, Quinn. That is not why we're here. We're going to talk about some fun questions that I have gotten this week in my DMs. So if you uh, have any questions as we're going, just write them in the chat and I will um, get to them as we go. So, hey, if I've never met you before, I'm Beth and I run this account. I run Big City Readers. I founded Big City Readers. A uh, quick background about me. I was a classroom teacher and then a reading specialist. Um, I focus mostly on responsive, logical classroom management um, and early childhood development and the learning to read journey. I used to work with kindergarten through eighth grade. I created a program um, that was less of a, let's fix what's, or what's, let's solve the problem more. Let's like fix it before it happens. So, uh, my program, I have toddler, baby, toddler, preschool and kindergarten classes. And I also do work with kids who are struggling with reading. I have courses on all of these things that you can do at your own pace. They're like 15 minute videos and they're really fun. But if you don't know where to start, I absolutely love doing one-on-ones, whether it's you, the grown up, the teacher. I had this week, I had one-on-ones with teachers, principals, speech pathologists, um, daycare providers, parents. And then I also got to do one-on-ones with four kindergartners, um, two preschoolers and three third graders. So I love to do one-on-one. So message me about that after this. I can't like, I'm not that tech savvy where I can like put in the things in the, in the chat, but some people can, I'm not one of those people. Okay. So I'm going to start with a question that came in a couple of times this week. And it's, should I worry about my six-year-old still writing some letters and numbers backwards? I love to talk about this one. This is not something that I actually understood when I was teaching preschool or first grade um, from my original teaching degree. So don't feel lost on that. If you are like, how do people know what to do? Most people don't know what to do. And also, um, <laughs> a lot of people are wrong in what they recommend doing. So hate to say it, but it's true. Don't listen, like put blinders on and earplugs into everyone saying advice. Like if they're like, look at what my kid can do. Like, Think about the only, like pick a couple of people to listen to and then like put everything, get rid of everything else. Because I've been hearing a lot of bad advice lately um, and nothing like with actual, any actual backing. So take everything that people tell you with a grain of salt, just smile and nod. And they're probably like, don't know what they're talking about. So, okay. <laughs> Is it bad? Should I worry that my six-year-old is still writing some letters and numbers backwards? Absolutely not. It is absolutely developmentally appropriate for six-year-olds to still write some letters and numbers backwards. Here's the reason why. Okay. So we're still developing object permanence and we're thinking of letters as an object. So before we fully have understanding of how letters are the representative of a sound. So the letter is the grapheme. The sound is the phoneme. Phonemic awareness. You probably hear me talk about this a lot, but we need to be able to play with sounds or phonemes 
before we can understand that the grapheme represents the phoneme. So what that means, all that jargon is, is for example, if you say how many sounds are in the word shoe, we would say shoe, two sounds. We're not looking for how many letters, that's just memorizing the spelling of a word. So we wanna understand sounds. Then we can understand the representation of the sound. SH represents sh. Okay, but when we're still learning to read, when we're still building all of this, the letters are like just objects, right? So this object, this little canister of my dog's treats is still the same object, whether or not I turn it upside down, backwards on its side. So before we have a solid understanding of how sounds or letters represent sounds, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense that they are different if they're backwards or forwards. So when we want to see kids not writing letters backwards or numbers backwards is like by the end of first grade, early second grade, they should have an understanding of how letters work and that it does matter that it's not the same as an object being upside down or sideways, that it's different and it has a proper formation. This is also why it's really important to make sure that we are teaching proper letter formation. So what does that mean? Letters are supposed to be written a certain way. It's top down, left to right. So there's this popular song from a program called Handwriting Without Tears. And it goes, um, where do we start our letters at the top? I like to add something physical every time I do this. Also, if you're like, this is too fast, I break this down very slowly and model it for you in my pre-writing for preschoolers course and my preschool prep course um, and my master of the ABCs course. And they go in that order of those three of um, learning. So you might have a child that's like, oh, they know their ABCs, but the master of the ABCs course is less about knowing the song, the ABCs, more about understanding exactly how we form the letter, exactly when to introduce lowercase and uppercase, what sound goes with each letter, because you would not be surprised how many kids are saying the sounds wrong because the adults are teaching it wrong because we don't really know. We're like, wait, I had a friend when I was like, okay, what sound is the letter A? Does the letter A make? And they're like, ah. And I was like, okay, what sound is the first sound in Apple? And they're like, ah, I don't know how to read one of my friends. That was a real conversation with one of my friends. So anyway, reeling it in. Letter formation matters for so many reasons, but we want to make sure that kids understand how to properly form the letter. And that will kind of help them um, understand that we don't, it's not the same backwards and forwards. So if you think about like things like B and D um, that kids mix up, uh, we can solve that by properly introducing how to form those letters. So D starts with a C and then comes back up, but B starts with a line and then goes this way. Um, I also like to say B has a belly, D has a diaper. I just realized this is backwards. Um, that some people will be like, wait a minute, that doesn't work because like, what if the person is facing the other way? This is why introducing letter formation matters because we know that the letters are gonna be moving that way. So that we know D has a diaper means the bump is behind the line because we know that letters move from left to right. We know that print moves from left to right. We know that stories move from left to right. So you can start building on this concept with your babies and toddlers by just pointing to the pictures moving from left to right in the stories that you're reading to them. 
Um, another reason that proper letter formation really matters is, hi, Mason. Um, the reason that proper letter formation really matters is because we don't really think about the writing process, right? We think, I don't really know how I write the letters and I'm just fine. But when kids are learning how to be writers and readers and all of the things, there's a lot that's happening in their brain. And we want the process to be effortless. We want it to be smooth. We want it to flow. And if we are thinking about, even though they're not processing or able to say that they're thinking about how the letter is formed, there's a split second when they put their pen to paper that they are thinking about how the letter is formed. And when we're thinking about how the letter is formed, then that takes us away from thinking about the sounds in the word, takes us away from the creative writing process. And this is why kids will say, that they don't like to write and that they don't want to do this. So it comes from the very, very, very beginning of like when you first learn to scribble that this writing and reading process connects and um, and kind of carries your kids through school. So those, those preschool moments really matter. Um, those first letters really matter. And it's really important to properly teach the sounds and properly teach how to write the letters. So it's top down, left to right. Um, so I hope that helps that question. Somebody just said, can you say the R sound? <laughs> yes. So I have a video on my page about this. Um, and this is in more depth in my course, master the ABCs, um, at bigcityreaders.com. But the letter R I used to say, so if you're like saying this, don't worry, because a lot of people do this, but I used to say R says, er, it doesn't <laughs> ER says, er, IR says, er, UR says, er. R does not say er. Otherwise you would say er rabbit, er robot, er red. We don't do that. That's that's not how it goes. So why are we saying that R says er? It's absolutely cuckoo bananas, but there's not a lot of information um, for teachers, parents. I've learned that tells us exactly how we should teach the letter sounds. So the sound for the letter R is r. Now it's kind of tricky. I overemphasize. So it sounds like there's a little bit more of an uh than there needs to be, but for kids, so R is also a developmental sound. And this is different than if like a child is in speech therapy for their R's, um, you might hear a speech therapist say something different. This is about, you know, typically developing, um, when we're teaching the, the R sound in a classroom. So we, uh, it's a developmental sound, meaning that not kids don't, aren't just ready to learn that sound at like age three, our mouth and just like our hands are developing at a certain speed. So we want to make sure that we're not asking kids to do things before they're ready. So with our hands, we're building fine motor strength every day. Three-year-olds are not ready to write every single letter. Their hands around three, we're, we're able to do lines and circles, not even diagonal lines. So that's why it's really important to not make, to make sure that we're not asking kids to write letters or trace letters that they actually aren't able to do. So an X is typically not a letter that a three-year-old can write. So when we're asking a three-year-old to write that letter, or when we're asking them to trace that letter with a worksheet, what we're doing in the brain is we're firing those neurons. So we know that neurons that are firing together, wire together. So that first time, those first couple of times that we are learning how to write letters, if it feels too tricky, 
what we're doing in the brain is we're firing those neurons together. So we're thinking now that writing letters is just tricky. And we formed that connection. So we don't want to ask preschoolers to write these letters before it's developmentally appropriate. It's more developmentally appropriate to ask kids to draw with you or to actually a writing skill at three, four or five years old is playing on the playground, monkey bars, climbing up the slide, rolling Play-Doh, cooking in the kitchen with you, building with blocks. Like these are the moments that are actually forming the proper writing muscles that we actually need to be good writers um, rather than having them trace letters in a workbook or do worksheets. It's just not developmentally appropriate. And it might seem fun and like a good fix for now, but if they're not ready, they're not ready. And you're just making the pathway to being a successful writer later a lot harder. Okay. So where were we with letters? Hold on. Writing X R. Oh, R is a developmental sound cannot believe that we just made it back there. And by we, I mean me. Okay. R is a developmental sound. So that means that kids aren't automatically ready to say that sound. It's trickier than a lot of sounds. So around kindergarten, when I, when I expect them to say the proper sound for the letter R, I'll teach them to say robot, but don't say obot. So try it with me. Say robot, but don't say obot. Um, say rabbit, but don't say abbot. And you can get them there by saying, let's say the word rabbit really slowly. Rabbit. Now take off that part. So you might want to show them. Um, abbot. Rabbit. Take away this part. Or like pretend that you are starting a motorcycle, room, room. We just want to make sure that we're not saying that er. The reason for this is something that I learned much later in my teaching reading career. Um, I was teaching blends. So that's like two letters like BL or BR, like in blueberry or breakfast or drum. And I was teaching these blends and I was working with a student named Drew and we were working on the DR blend. And he was saying duh for D, which if you have watched any of my videos, you know, I, I've talked about this for a decade, but we don't want to say uh at the end of our letters. So we want to cut that off. We want to make sure that kids say D says D instead of duh, because then we're adding a bunch of letters. And he was saying R says er. So he was going duh er for the dr blend instead of drew. So when I asked him to name a word that began with that dr blend, he couldn't. Remember what I said his name was? It was Drew. He couldn't understand that his own name began with that blend because there was such a mix up of all the letters because we were adding the extra sounds and the does. We were changing the way that letters are formed. So it seems like it's, it's not that big of a deal, but when we see the problems, even I've had kindergarten teachers say to me, I've never seen it that big of a deal. It seems like it's not that big of a deal until you're the person that's working with the kids in second and third grade. And then you see the actual struggles and then it gets harder and harder to change the course for those second, third, fourth graders. So what seems like not a big deal is actually an incredibly privileged thing to say. What we mean to say is 
I don't understand. This wasn't a problem for me. So why would it be a problem later? Well, it's a huge problem later. So let's make sure that we're nipping that in the bud, cutting off those us and not saying the wrong letter sound for each of the letters. I have a video pinned at the top of my page saying the entire alphabet and the sounds that I want to introduce them. Um, a lot of people say it goes too fast. I know, I know, babes, it is Instagram, it's social media, things are going to go fast. If you want it to go slow, you can book a one-on-one -on -one with me or take my course, but social media is made to be fast. So that that's the one we got on social media, but you can take master the ABCs and really hear a breakdown of each of the sounds and see how to properly um, form those letters. Okay. Somebody asks, do SLPs, speech language pathologists and reading specialists typically communicate in an elementary school? Um, this is a hard answer because nothing is typical in an elementary school. <laughs> um, I, somebody asked me recently, they're like, do you want to know what, um, what curriculum my school is using so you can keep like data and compare the schools? And I was like, oh, there's no, like, that's the crazy thing is that like curriculum is different, not only school to school, but classroom to classroom. It depends on what the teacher is allowed to do. Teachers are buying their, like le some of their lessons on teachers pay teachers with their own money. It's a website that like teachers create curriculum. It's a lot of people are left to fend for themselves. So it's not really a thing that we can say is typical in schools or not. There's the United States education system is like, is so different state to state, classroom to classroom, school to school, neighborhood to neighborhood. There is no like regularity. So it's impossible to say typically, like it depends on the teacher. It depends on the school. It depends on the procedures. and it's sort of a mess. I mean, I had two calls this week with principals and teach and then two more with teachers today who were just like, I don't even know where to start. Like, it's just a mess. So I can't answer that question. Hopefully the SLPs and reading specialists would communicate in an elementary school, but not every elementary school even has an SLP or a reading specialist or an interventionist. Like every school Everything is just, there's no typical in elementary schools in the United States. Sorry that that question is not an easy answer. Oh, when do you collect weird spelling? Five-year-old spells laugh, L-A-F, and it looks right to me. Oh, kiss your brain. Whatever parent wrote that, that's excellent to notice that. And that is an excellent phrase to put in your back pocket. Say, I hear those sounds too. When your child is Millie. When your child is learning how to spell, it's really important. It's called developmental spelling or inventive spelling. And it's a really important phase um, or stage of learning to spell that they learn to trust themselves and they learn that they can, you know, stretch it out and write the sounds that they hear. I would not correct a five-year-old that wrote LAF because here's when I start to hold kids accountable. I hold kids accountable for the spelling pattern or to spell the words correctly if they have explicitly been taught that pattern. So this is what systematic structured phonics means. It means that we follow a projection of when to teach sounds and when to um, expect kids to spell these things correctly. And the A-U-G-H 
of laugh is not something that a five-year-old would have learned yet. In fact, it wouldn't make a lot of sense if we taught them when to have that, when we, when we use that rule. So it doesn't really make sense for them. And I would say, yeah, those are the sounds that I hear. That's totally normal. And that's the best thing you can do for your five-year-old who's learning how to write. Um, if they have learned, so for bigger kids, if they have learned that spelling rule or that spelling pattern, um, so say your six-year-old has learned that CH spells then I hold them accountable to spell that word. So that means that if they write just a C for the word chew, then I say, wait a minute, I feel like we learned a pattern for that ch sound. Do you remember what it is? And they might say, oh yeah, 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 it's C-H. So I'm not just gonna say that, that word is spelled the wrong way, it's spelled like this. That does nothing for our brain. That doesn't help us self-correct. We wanna teach kids how to self-correct and we wanna teach kids how to look inward instead of looking to the adult in the room to figure out how to spell something or looking to a word wall. Um, word walls are a super no-go. Don't ever put a sight word wall in your house or your classroom. Um, it's not gonna help kids. Uh, so somebody asked about word walls. So sight word walls are typically, my dog really wants to go for a walk. So I'm going to probably answer just two more questions. Sight word walls are like previously, and I did them too, uh, because I didn't know better. Um, that was what I was taught in undergrad. Um, sight word walls are when we have like all the words, we have like the ABCs and then you have a list of the words under all of those letters. So under W it's like, where was what? And so you just look like, which word is this probably going to be? And then pull it off the word wall and write it on your paper. You spelled it correctly. Oh my gosh, they're a genius. But what we don't really realize and what we now, well, not now realize, a lot of people have realized this for a long time, but um, that doesn't help a child. That just helps a child memorize. And memorizing a whole bunch of sight words or looking at a word wall to write the word is teaching kids to fake that they know how to read. It's like teaching to the test, right? So if we teach kids to memorize a bunch of words, what's happening is it looks like they can read and we can be like, look at these state test scores. Oh my gosh, they did so many. Or look at in first grade, they went from a level A to a level J in three months, everyone's doing great. And it's, it's getting kids to fake that they know how to read. And so we can say, look at, look at what we did. Look at what we did. And then we're failing kids and illiteracy is directly related to anxiety, depression, homelessness, incarceration. And we're just like, it's fine. Let's just like fake it. Let's just teach them to fake it, that they know how to read. So it looks like our state's doing great. or Our school's doing great. It's an incredible social justice issue and completely solvable. Um, if we actually get teachers, all teachers trained in explicit literacy instruction. Um, somebody else asked if I could explain the science of reading. The science of reading is not a curriculum. It is a body of research that is um, all about scientific evidence of learning, of how our brain learns to read cognitive development. Oh no. Am I still here? Guys, this is like a spooky Halloween thing. It's showing me like flashing. Okay, hi. Um, it's all about the cognitive 
the um, psychology behind and the science of how actually how brains learn how to read. Oh, I love you. Thank you. Thank you for loving my passion on this topic. Um, it's it's a big deal and everyone needs to be fighting for it. Um, we're already seeing a lot of change happening because of parents and teachers like you all here that are actually being like, this is not something that I'm just going to be like, it wasn't a big deal to me. So I don't really care about it. Mildred. Anyway, um, I think I'm going to hop off now because my dog really wants to go for a walk. Let me see if I have one time for one more question. Oh, hi, Kathleen. Okay. Hi, Shannon. Okay. What class of yours might help prepare parents to support kiddos who are learning those spelling patterns? Oh, okay. Spelling rules. It's um, a class for like first and second graders. Um, it's uh, like the last class on my website, but it's called spelling rules. And you'll learn things like when to use pH, when to use CK, when to use C or K. I'll give you a little spoiler alert. Um, when do you use CK? This is an amazing one is if the word is a one syllable word with a short vowel and it ends with a k, it needs a C and a K. Um, and I have a post on my page that's like, when do you use C or K at the beginning of the word? But there's a rule or a typical rule for almost every spelling. Um, I don't have it available right now, but I have a master class that will be on the website next week available to watch on demand. Um, but if you are a teacher or a parent this year, like this school year already, I've talked to three school boards, um, that the parent, like the PTO or PTA has organized, um, in this country and other countries. And, um, I've done, uh, professional development with five schools. So you can bring me in. It's kind of like a overview before you decide if you want to like change into the science of reading. And it's going to be like the, how to dip your toes in, explain to us why this matters. Let us try some things. Um, it's a really fun thing to do. And I also, some schools let me stay and watch the class and I get to like say, Oh, here's how you could do some science of reading stuff in your preschool classroom during center time or, or circle time. Here's how in your center, you could change two things for your first graders. And that's my favorite thing to do. So please reach out if you are a teacher or parent that wants that to happen. And I'll send you some info for that. Um, but if you are a parent and wants to know what classes to work on at home there, um, you can send me a message, um, but go to big city readers right now through this weekend is like the last time that they're going to be available at this small of a bundle and on sale. Um, we're changing the website, almost ready to launch the new website. So that's why they're on sale right now. So we're kind of, um, upgrading and updating some of the things. So right now is the lowest price you'll ever be able to get any of these courses. Are there any good sources to share with a district that are just beginning and reviewing their balanced literacy curriculum? Yes, I'm gonna send you some scholarly articles. If you send me a message, I'll send you some um, places to start there after this. But I would say, um, yeah, I'll send you a whole list. I have I have like a list of the starter kit that I'll just send you in a message if you send me after this. All right, guys, thank you for hanging out. I hope you have a great Thursday night. And I'm always here if you need me. So let me know how I can help. I don't want you to feel overwhelmed ever or feel like you have to do this on your own. I got your back. I'll see you later.